Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. I prayed to, to, to God, like, hey, what do you want me to teach on? And I said, if you could supply us with a book. Like, I know that these students right now, they are really connecting with us, preaching through a whole book, and it just helps us kind of understand what's going on in this scenario, but also it teaches the students how to read and apply Scripture to their life. So, Lord, could you bring us a book? And no lie, like, right after that, I started reading Scripture, and God just laid on my heart, like, First John, Brent. Like, 1 John is the book that you need to teach on. And so that's, if you got your Bibles, uh, please turn to 1 John. I love John because this is, this is why it's so, uh, like, uh, I'm such an ADD brain. Anybody with me, right? Like, like, he is so good to teach to us ADDers out there. Like, I set this, I remember in college, I would be like, all right, this is a new semester. Like, I'm going to study. I got my new notepad, my new pen, because I'm a pen snob, right? And like, like I'm going to study. I sit down, I study, and it's like five minutes, and it's like, I, I get a gurgle. I'm like, oh, I'm hungry, right? I need to go eat, because I can't study if if I'm hungry, right? So I go eat, and 45 minutes later, I come back. I'm like, all right, I'm on a study. And then I'm starting to study, and five minutes in, I'm like, oh, my room's dirty. I, I got to clean my room. I can't study if my room's dirty. My brain, I just can't do this. And then I sit down, and it's 45 minutes later, and then I'm like, hold up. Like, I'm tired. Like, like I, I would be so much better in the morning after a good night's, anybody tracking with me, right? And like, I'm going to go to bed tonight. I'm going to be well rested, wake up early, maybe have a little quiet time with my coffee, snap an Instagram pic, all right? And then I'm going to study hard. It never happens, right? And then I see a cat and I'm like, oh, that reminds me of a second grade teacher. And then like all these things like go on. First John helps me, all right? He is lovingly direct, I hope that's how many Bible teachers are, is that he is lovingly direct, and he has to be. Because the scenario of the situation that he is in is that, that he is trying to tell these congregants of this church, he's trying to tell them, listen, there are false teachers and false prophets that are coming and they're trying to add to what we have already taught you. They're trying to bend truth and make it their way. They're trying to make it Jesus maybe just a little less. They're trying to turn your attention away from Jesus and be a little less like Jesus and a little more like something else. Trying to sprinkle in a little bit more of a difference. Now remember, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. And here's one of the reasons why I think God led me to this letter of, of 1 John is because there are so many things and people and ideas that are being thrown at us through every avenue of our life and saying this is how this is supposed to be. This is how you are supposed to look at religion. This is how you're supposed to do church. This is how you're supposed to date. This is how you're supposed to do life. And they're just adding all these little additives. And what First John is saying, hey, is like, let's wipe all of that away and let's go back to the basics and let's learn not your truth, but let's learn the truth and let's be able to apply this truth to our life. Students, the best thing that you can do right now as a follower of Jesus Christ is to know the Word of God. 
Because you've got so many pivotal moves over the next 10 years of your life. If you don't know what the word of God says, how do you know that you're making the right move? Learn the word of God so you can't be lured and enticed to go away that he does not want you to go. John, I believe, is the writer of 1 John. He is the same writer, I believe, that wrote the Gospel of John. He is John, the son of Zebedee. He is one of the fishermen that God called out and said, I call you more to be just a fisherman, but be a fisher of men. He is a disciple of Jesus that got to know Jesus before his ministry, got to see Jesus in his ministry, do life with him, get to know him, get to laugh with him, cry with him, let Jesus pour into his life. He got to see Jesus die on a cross. He got to see Jesus raise from the dead and touch his nail-scarred hands. He got to see Jesus ascend onto a cloud into heaven. Like, he knows Jesus. He wrote the Gospel of John, for goodness sakes. Right? Like, like he wrote the Gospel of John. He has the most memorized Bible verse in all of the world. What is it? John 3.16, right? Like he wrote that. Like he summarized the whole Bible into one sentence. Like for God so loved the world that he gave his only son because we are sinful and we are lost without him. And whoever doesn't matter where you're at, where you're from, how much you know about the Bible, how holy you are. It doesn't matter about any of that. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He wrote that. God used him to write one of the best books of the whole Bible. So if he's going to write another something else, I'm going to be sure to listen to it, right? I'm going to be sure that I'm going to take note of what he is going to say. Now listen, there is a difference. The gospel of John was to teach someone how to become a saint, how to become a follower. But in 1 John, we learn how to be a saint and how to grow from the point of our salvation and to grow into sanctification, which is meaning that we become more like Jesus and walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and grow our relationship with Jesus. Now to set up tonight, I want to ask a question. How many of us in here have ever had a friendship where you felt like you were more into the friendship than the other person? Anyone with me? Right? Awesome. Like, you just like, man, you know what? Like, you're the one that always called. You're the one that always texted. You're the ones that, like, you brought them into your friend group. And, and like, you wish them a happy birthday. And they, they might have sent you, a, like, a, like, a pity text, like, four days after your birthday. Hey, sorry, happy birthday, right? Like, like, and, like you try to make everything. And then realize, you realize one day, like, hold up. Like, like, I'm way more invested in this thing than they are with me. And then you realize one day that they... They all went to a birthday party without you in Dallas and had a great, great time and they didn't invite you and then you had to awkward duck it and be like, um, why didn't you invite me? Like you felt a little bit sorry for yourself and, and they're like, well, what do they always say? Well, it was organic. Like we didn't, we didn't plan anything. 
right? We didn't plan it. It just happened. You're like, well, those are reservations at a nice, you know, nice restaurant that you had to do like a month early, and you had hotel reservations. And I saw you got on a golf course that you have to obviously get reservations for and think about. And, and then you call your mom and you cry in your pillow because you weren't invited. And then you're like, I'm going to quit college and move to Israel, right? All right? Not, not, that just happened to me, not, not y'all. Okay. College was hard. Okay. That's fine. I wonder how many of us are that type of person in our relationship with Jesus. Like, like we're available when we want to be available. Like we use him when, when we're lonely. Like we, we might even blame him when things are, are bad. Uh, and we take and we take and we take. And he has given so much to us and we just don't appreciate him. And quite frankly, if we're honest, let's just be honest here. Our actions do speak louder than our words, and it shows us how little we really do love him. Hey, welcome to Crossover. We don't preach fluff around here. My name's Brent Russell. All right, love you guys. Can we be any more real today? Does your life show? Does your life prove that you are all about Jesus? Does your life show that Jesus is primary? Does your life show that he is secondary? Does your life show that your relationship with Jesus matters? That's what I think Paul is trying to start at right now. He's trying to start with this one thing, and this is the whole message just for tonight in these first 10 chapters. He's gonna drive this one point I think that we need to understand. It's fellowship with God is growing in his light. Fellowship with God is growing in his light. And I think today we need to listen to John's teaching because he's going to teach us something about if we are taking our fellowship for real with Jesus, if we want to grow with him for reals, then we have to be able to grow in God's light. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and it says this. This is the message that we have heard from him and we proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not, uh, is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Listen, I did not read the first four sentences because I wanted to summarize it with just simply this. There is a prerequisite that John states. There is a prerequisite in the first four sentences that, that you have to have in order for any of the rest of first, second, or third John to be applicable to you. For you to be able to apply it, it is simply this, is that your fellowship, meaning your desire to draw close to Jesus must be more than words that you say, but it must be actions in your life that you live. 
Like this is the prerequisite, that, that, that growing in Jesus and loving Jesus and becoming a follower of Jesus and sanctifying yourself more every single day is more important than anything else in this world. That is the prerequisite for the rest of us to be able to be applied for you. If you want to have that fellowship with Jesus, that has to be the prerequisite, drawing closer to Jesus more than anything else. As soon as he says that, then he hits us with, with verse 5. He hits us, if that fellowship is real, then you need to know something, that you've entered a relationship with God, and God is this bright light. He is this bright, holy light that has no darkness in him at all. And here's the hard part for many of us to handle, and this is what John is trying to explain to his congregants. If you want to enjoy the closeness with God that you so desperately want, you must embrace the truth that he is light and his light will have a significant impact on your life. Because what does true light do? True light doesn't only expose the good things in our life, but true light also exposes the darkness in our life. Just like if you were to shine a bright light down a dark alley in the middle of a city, what do you see? You see all the creatures and bugs and everything just scatter because they like to do their things in the dirty, dark, secret place. And if you want God's personal presence and activity in your life, you must be willing to allow his life to expose those sinful thoughts, those sinful attitudes, the speech and the actions that are not consistent with his character. Man, it hits hard. Because if you fellowship with God, if you're trying to draw closer with God who is light, you have to allow his light to expose the darkness in your life willingly. Now listen, I don't want y'all to imagine me in this scenario. This is for your mind only, okay? This reminded me of going to the dermatologist and getting your moles checked. Anybody with me? All y'all are picturing me right now, all right? What they do with, with the dermatologist is that they, they turn on every light in the room. Some doctors have extra lights in the room. Some doctors put the headlamp on, right? They want as much light to be able to see all of you that they can. Some even put on those extra magnifying glasses that can probably see through your soul, all right? Like these doctors are trying to do the best job that they possibly can, and what do you do? They look through every bit part of your body, right? Every nook and cranny. And you let them. And you let this happen because you want them to make sure that you don't have anything on you that is going to kill you. And you're willing to be exposed in their light because you know that they have your best interest in mind. And if they find something worrisome, and they're like, ah, oh, this looks a little cancerous right here. We probably need to remove it. What are you going to say? Slice it off, right? Like, go ahead, take it away. I don't want that on or in my body. 
See, that's how we should be with God in his light. Lord, listen, I need you to look at my life and I know what you have done for me and I know what you have saved me from. And Lord, I love you so much and I trust you so much that Lord, I want you to shine your light on me. And listen, if you see something in my life that is not walking in the manner worthy of you wanting me to walk in, I want you to tap my shoulder and say, that's it. I want you to make it evidently clear I don't want you to have this in your life anymore. And Lord, I want to be able to take it and remove it and be able to place it at your feet. Students, listen, fellowship with God allows his light to expose the darkness in you. But he doesn't stop there. Verse 6, he says that if you claim to have fellowship with God, but you walk in darkness, John says that you're a liar. See, students, fellowship with God isn't validated by the words that you say. Now, don't get me wrong, singing worship songs and, and, and praising Jesus on the mountaintops, yes, that is great, but the intimacy with God is demonstrated through your actions. How you live your life day to day, the things that you do, the way that you act, that shows the intimacy with God that you have in your life. And we have fellowship with the Lord. And we have, it also says we have fellowship with other believers when we walk as light as he is in the light in verse 7. Now hear me on this. Just because you walk in the light doesn't mean that you're not going to sin. Doesn't mean that you're not going to mess up. Only God is the perfect light. You are called to walk in the light, and his light is supposed to expose the sin in you. You are not sinless, but your, your sins are exposed so that in verse 7 it says, so that the blood of Jesus can cleanse you. And when your sins are exposed and you give them over to Jesus, his blood washes you clean and then you grow. This is what sanctification is. You allow God to expose the darkness in your life and you realize this doesn't need to be in my life anymore. So you take that, you uproot it, you give it to Jesus and say, please forgive me from it. And he takes it and removes it as far as the east is from the west. And then you start growing in your spiritual maturity. You start growing in your intimacy see with God, God starts growing into you and sharing you, sharing with you some things, and, and that is how the spiritual walk is to grow. And here's the thing is God desires this. So many of us are afraid to give God things and we're shaking knees. No, God's like, hey, listen, own it. Like, if you want to grow with me, if you want to do this life with me, then own what I'm going to show you. Take it, remove it, let's, let's get it out of your life, and then let's grow. Let's do this life together with one another, and I'll forgive it. Only when this process happens is when you start growing with Jesus. My wife and I, <clears throat> we moved to a house about a mile up the road here, and we knew that it was going to need a lot of work done, especially in the backyard. And uh, I, I swear the lady that lived there before, she didn't touch the backyard for eight years. Uh, there was shrubs and trees planted in the middle of the yard for some reason, right? And so for the first like two, two months, uh, we spent time pulling bamboo, ripping up trees. I think where I removed a couple dead pets that they had buried back there, right? There was about 
there was 10,000 pounds of brick pavers that they had lined the backyard up with for some reason. Uh, but we pulled all those brick pavers up, and I got, that, I got a bulldozer, and I leveled that yard as, as flat as this basketball court. I made that thing look perfect. You know where I'm going with this. All right. Then I, got, then I built a sprinkler system. I buried it all the way from the front yard, and I wrapped it all the way around the side of my house to have the perfect water for what? For beautiful grass. Oh, guys, listen, it gets better. I'm a grass guy. I'm a green thumb. Yes, I'm one of those dads. And I call the sod company. I say, listen, I want the best tall fescue sod that you can give me. And they come out and they roll it. And listen, guys, it is better than any golf course you've seen. All right. It is like walking on clouds. My kids are frolicking on it, tripping, hitting their face, and they don't even cry because it's like a pillow. All right. It is the best looking grass in the world. And I learned everything about it. I know what to fertilize. I know how, how to water it. Like I know everything about this grass to make it grow. It looked good that first month. And about about four weeks in, I started seeing these brown patches starting to come up. And those big, thick leaves, I saw them shrivel up and, and die. And then it turned into dirt. And, and it started growing of death and destruction. And I called that sod company out of anger. And you sold me some bad sod. Guys, if you know me, I'm like, hey, guys, uh, sod's, sod's bad. What can we do? Should I pay for some more? Right? Like, you know. They're like, let's come look, let's come look. I'm like, please come look. They came and looked, and they're, they're looking at the dirt. They're pulling up the sod. They're like, man, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, I see a guy. He looks up. He looks up again with my big old trees, and he goes, yep. I think his name is Roy. Yep, that's your problem right there. Them trees. Them trees are just too big. You got these big branches that are hanging over. This beautiful sod here and this beautiful sod cannot grow because these big branches are blocking the sun from being able to shine on this here grass. He goes, you got a decision to make. If you want this grass to grow, then you need to cut these branches to be able to let this grass get the sunlight it needs to be able to grow. Students, my question for you is, what are the tree branches in our life that, that is not allowing us to grow into the people of God that we are supposed to be? Like, like here's the truth that John was speaking against then that I know that he's also going to be able to speak to us today. He knew this. He, he knew this about the people of God that was walking in. He knows this about many of us. That many of us, we start our walk with Jesus. We become saved. We understand that he has saved us. And we take these first couple steps and we're walking in the light of God. And God exposes this one thing in our life. This thing in our life that we know that we are not supposed to have in our life. And you ready for this? We're not willing to get rid of it. Because we like this one thing, or we're, we're afraid of losing this one thing, or, or we are defined by this one thing, or this one thing is controlling us right now. And what happens is we never move from this 
point of our spiritual walk and we become spiritually stagnant because we're not allowing ourselves to remove this one branch that is allowing us to grow and make that next step of spiritual maturity in our life. We don't have a light problem in our life. We know exactly what God wants us to do in our life. We have a letting go of sin problem in our life. See, God exposes our sin with his light, and we keep that sin in our life that blocks us from ever growing. And listen, that is not fellowship with God. That will make you spiritually stagnant, not only today, but forever in this life. Because fellowship with God is that his light exposes the darkness in us, and if we want to be close with God, we must cut the very thing in our life that is not allowing us to grow. See, I don't think that the problem with the people that John was writing to is any different than us in this room. The problem with our fellowship with God isn't that we don't know what his light has exposed. It's the fact that we're not willing to get rid of it. Students, if I can just speak to some of you right now, the reason why you feel so disconnected from God or you feel distant from God or you feel like you're, you don't have any joy in your life or you feel hopeless and depleted and you feel like you're just a walking zombie, you're surviving, you're not thriving, is not because that God has grown distant from you. It's because you have allowed darkness to penetrate your life and you keep on walking in darkness and you're not allowing the light to continue in your life, and to take away that darkness in your life. You want to grow closer, then give it to Jesus. Here's the thing, here's the truth. You are exactly as close to God as you have allowed yourself to be right now. You want to be closer? Cut the branches in your life. He wants to take them off your hands and he wants, he wants to throw them away and he wants to be able to grow in you. Let me just say this real quick. Jesus didn't come and die for your sins for you to continue to live in them. He came and died for your sins so you can go live a life for him and live it more abundantly. And lastly, it says that if you deny that your sin in your life is, uh, is that you don't have sin in your life and you're deceiving yourself, you're not deceiving anybody else, amen, but you're deceiving yourself. And on our best days, just hear this, on our very best days in this world, we could still never live to God's holy standards in this God-forsaken world, fallen world right now. We could never live the standard to which God would want us to. But if we confess our sins to God, he is faithful. Now, this is a gift from God. He is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us and cleanse us. Here are two ways to look at this. This is what I'm going to end up with tonight. Here are two avenues that I believe that we can take when it comes to this confession. When we are able to see what we're supposed to get rid of and we confess it and give it to God, there are two ways that we can view this confession. First and foremost, we can think that God is a judge that is an unfair judge. How many of us think, well, I know I need to stop doing this, but that's just God being too judgy, and he's trying to take away all of my fun. He's trying to make me into a person that I'm not. You just be you. You feel your heart. You do what your heart says, right? I'm going to do what I want, how I want, when I want. 
And you know what? Maybe later I'll straighten up. Students, let me just tell you. You think that you feel lonely and depleted and depressed and anxious right now. You know what I've seen so many thousands of times, not just hundreds of times, thousands of times, is if you continue this lifestyle for the next three and four years, you will be constantly walking in this darkness and it will have a hold on you in such a way that you will have to totally and completely delete your life that you're living in order to to walk with God. You have to almost transform exactly everything that surrounded you, maybe even your work, maybe your friends, everything that you've built on your life three or four years from now. You almost have to completely tear away from everything to start walking with God. Listen, it's so much easier to do it now. And you're so much worse off three or four four years now, four years ago. Words are hard. You know what the sod company said? Uh, what happened if I didn't cut back the, the branches that were covering the, the sod? They said that if you don't cut those branches back and allow the sunlight to be able to, to grow the, uh, the, the sod, then the fungus of the infected grass would spread to the healthy grass and either kill it or would spread its disease on it as well. So many of us right now are trying to play both sides of life right now. We're trying to be a Jesus follower and we're trying to be something else. What is X? I don't know. You're trying to be a Jesus follower and a partier. Or you're trying to be a Jesus follower and you're still messing around with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You're trying to be a Jesus follower and you're addicted to something. You're addicted to, to porn. You're addicted to some type of substance. I don't know what it is. And what happens when these things are in your life is that those things will start bleeding over into what should be the good parts of your life. How is it worshiping at church right now? Like I lay all of my fears at the throne. I lay all of my pain. I lay all of my life at your feet, Jesus, and I worship you and I give my life. Are you able to worship in, in church because you know that you're walking with Jesus with all of your heart? How is worship going for you? How are quiet times going for you? You read the Bible and it says take off your old self and put on your new self. You're like, oh, this is it. Like, I'm growing. Like, how's it going for you? It's hard to even read your Bible because every time God keeps on bringing that darkness in your life and you're like, I can't keep growing because I still have to choose this life or that life and you're still in this constant pursuit. Listen, it'll make you go crazy because light and darkness can never coexist. They will always have a battle. Choose light. I promise it'll be worth it. The second avenue is you realize that you have a loving Father who loves you, who wants all of you. And He, he doesn't only want you to take some of the darkness away from your life. It's, it, it's a darkness. It's a cancer that, that's going to be diseased and, and is bad for your life. But He also wants to grow you. And He's so loving to do so. And instead of thinking of the things that God is trying to take away. Like what if we quit thinking about the sin that he's taking away and we think about, man, how, how, how is God gonna grow something in my life now? Like, like what is it he gonna fill that space with? Man, how is he gonna grow me into the person that he wants me to be so much more in life? Like who's excited about growing in 
Jesus. Here's the truth. Fellowship with God is growing in his light when you trust what God has in store for you is better than anything that you can provide for yourself. Students, pick the second avenue. You've got a loving God that wants to grow you in ways that you could never imagine. So as we close, I want to leave you with a thought. One day, and I want you to close your eyes because I want you to really focus on this ADD years, okay? One day, it is going to happen. You are going to be standing face to face with Jesus. And he is going to give you an account of your life. And he's going to say, look back and look at the last 80 years of your life. My question to you is, what is it going to take for you to be proud of what he shows you? Is it going to be a life where you're constantly running away from his calling on your life? You're constantly running away from the things that he's calling to cut away from your life? Or are you going to be proud of, man, when he told me to cut that, I cut it. I didn't maybe necessarily agree with it. I didn't maybe necessarily know exactly what was going to happen, but I knew I needed to cut it, and I cut it. And man, look, God grew me six ways in that way, just that one time. Just look back at your life and say, God, listen, I did this, and I did this, and I grew, and I matured, and Lord, I, man, you grew in ways, and I'm so thankful for the life that you have given me. What would it take for you to have that life? And listen, tonight might be that night that you took that first step. You know what, Lord, the last 80 years, you know, it started when I was in college, and I took that, that step of cutting that one thing I knew that was holding me back, and I laid it at your feet that night. 